Ogumbawale for the win. Hello and welcome to the new expanded Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your Friday host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you you can follow all of our shows at Lockdown WBB. And of course, make sure you are following the next for 24-7 women's basketball coverage. And a major part of that coverage, of course, has been about the Atlanta Dream, who have been making a ton of moves and certainly the early returns. You're hearing this Friday. We're recording it Wednesday. The early returns are very positive, and I have the head coach, Nikki Collin, here to talk about it. Nikki, you guys, as of one game, are on pace to average 105 points per game and go undefeated 22-0. Do you expect that to continue? Well, I, you know, I'm just happy that we're doing a little better than your uh, mock season to start out. So, <laughs> you know, I, at this point, I'm just, I'm, uh, you know, honestly, like I was genuinely happy um, to see kind of the, the translation from practice to our scrimmages into live action, um, wondering, like, I thought our pace had been great um, in practice. I thought our pace was good in the scrimmages, but could we sustain that? Would there be nerves? Would there be all those things with a rookie point guard running the show? And so, you know, for the most part, I was just happy with our pace. I was happy for the most part with our shot selection. We can be better. Um, but I think the the return is that we we were able to ask them to do certain things and then really follow up and do those things. So so I was pretty proud of them playing pretty shorthanded in that opener. Playing shorthanded, but playing with no absence of pace. And you guys were getting up and down the floor. Obviously, adding Kennedy Carter makes a big difference as far as that goes. But I guess I wonder more generally when you think about this compared to 2019, uh, just as a motivating technique, are you guys talking with the players about 2019? Are you putting that completely out of the mind? I, I mean, it helps, obviously, that there are so many changes on the roster, but what do you do when you think about taking lessons from last year into this year? Well, I think we try to avoid comparisons other than you know, us looking back how we guarded things, us looking back what was effective against certain teams as we really scout. But it, but you, you touched on it. Our personnel is so different. Um, we have a different point guard. We have a different starting two. Like, I think I did the number breakdown. Like, our starting lineup and first off the bench and Blake, you know, the six players that combined to score 105 points, mm-hmm. between, between the six of them, they averaged – in the WNBA, like 28 points a game last year. When you think about, you know, Elizabeth and Strickland in the, the nine range and um, Mo and, and Benajah in the five range. And I'm, I'm a little off on my numbers, but, you know, and Kennedy never having played a WNBA game. Blake averaged less than a point a game last year. So, you know, I think that what you're seeing somewhat down here is players getting opportunity that have never had it and kind of seizing opportunity. And so, you know, the players that we have, we're ready to go. And they, they can thrive in a fast-paced system. They can thrive when given the green light to take shots, you know. I mean, part of my conversations with Benajah, I mean, I, I feel like I hit the jackpot with her. Um, and she's not going to be perfect every game, and I don't expect her to be perfect. But I think when you think about what her career has looked like in this league, 
you know, and her being waived by Indiana before the season started, you know, I, I picked her up because I thought she was tough. I thought she'd play with a lot of energy. And I thought she'd give us a defensive presence that we were losing with Tiffany Hayes. You know, I, I didn't expect her to come in and shoot it as well as she can shoot it. I didn't expect her um, to do some of the other little things that she does, um, you know, to make us better. And so, you know, this is it's all about opportunity and these guys seizing the moment and us really consistently talking about being consistent, playing with great pace and, and wanting to be here, you know, like finding ways to find joy in every practice to find joy in every day as, as we're away from our family and friends and things that are normal to us. Benajah, and we should talk about her at a little bit longer length, I think, because she is a key, it seems to me, at both ends of the floor for you. She's somebody who's always been able, and, and Pokey Chapman always talked about how much she loved her ability to go out and guard twos and threes and fours and uh, be able to keep her on the court in order to do that. But to have this type of offensive revelation, do you remember someone in recent years who's been able to fundamentally revamp her game in this league the way she clearly has so far? Yeah, I don't, I, I can't point to a person. I think that, you know, I think there's been some evolution and, you know, there was a stretch and it's a totally different position, but, you know, Dierica Hamby kind of went from an energy player to being, and, and while, you know, is better on the low post and, you know, ha, can make a three, you know, I, I don't know that she's going to be the consistent shooter of Benajah, but she's the closest I can think of as mm-hmm. someone who, you know, it was like played and was impactful but all of a sudden became considerably more impactful, considerably more important, um, you know, and, and her team tends to thrive with pace and energy and all those things. So when she's on the floor, but, yeah. you know, I... Natasha Howard, too, is another one like that. But again, yeah. you're talking about kind of bigger bigs, you know, where the swing is more like three four five than two three four. To have a wing who's able to do that just feels like a rarity in this league in general. Yeah, I talked to her, you know, it was, it was an interesting conversation. Like when when we brought, when we were in market, you know, for that week getting testing done and doing individual workouts and, you know, we were, we always do kind of around the world shooting um, five spots, 10 shots. And we've done this all three years. And, and uh, you know, we consistently would struggle to get anyone to 40, you know, 40 out of 50. We mm-hmm. just you know, we're consistently in the low 30s was, was a good number for our group. And so, you know, even having our team in the gym and having a day where we had Benajah get 42 and Blake get 42 and Strickland get 41 and Jalen get 40, you know, there was a day when it was like, holy crap, quite <laughs> frankly. We just had four people post higher scores than we've ever had anybody post here. Well, then it was two days later and I was, and, and Benajah hit 45 out of 50. And, and I, I pulled her aside when they were done, um, and I said, okay, you, you know the scouting report on you, right? Like, you know the scouting report says go under screens, you know, be in help side, like make her make shots, you know, don't foul her, kind of, you know. And she's like, yeah. I said, so, so what is it? I said, have you become a better player? Have you continued to develop your skills? Or was this a lack of opportunity, you know? Have, did you, were you always able to shoot or feel like you were able to shoot, but it just wasn't the role you were given, mm-hmm. you know? And she said, you know, it, 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 she said it's probably some of both. She said, I've always felt really good about my, you know, pull-up jump shot, even going back to Rutgers. She said, but I've certainly extended my range. She said, but it, it was almost like I, 
this was this was my role. You know, I was this energy player. I was defending. I was, you know, supposed to turn down shots to get somebody else a better shot. And I, I said to her at the time, I said, well, how about until you prove to me that you can't shoot, that you take every show open shot? You know, hmm. I, I said, I don't want you to start forcing shots. I said, but if you're open, I want you to shoot it. I said, you've proven to me, you know, and, and certainly small sample size, but over a week, um, you know, that you're going to make shots. And so, you know, I kept thinking like, okay, now is it going to translate in a training camp when it's five on five? Um, and it did. And then is it going to translate when we're playing somebody else? And then it did, you know, and then it was, okay, well, those were scrimmages. Is it going to translate when we get in a real game? <laughs> well, it did. So, you know, she's kind of checked every box like day by day um, since, you know, we brought her to the roster. It's almost like you need a certain amount of breaks to go your way in order for roster construction this year to work properly, even more so than most seasons. And having her emerge like this, it feels like is even more important with all the challenges you guys had early on relative to people who are dealing with COVID-19 and dealing with, uh, you know, delays and being able to get there as well. When you think back to 2019 and there were so many things that just felt like, geez, that went wrong and it shouldn't have gone wrong. And I just think about the shooting percentage alone that you guys put up last year where you guys were generating good offense and getting open shots and then people who normally were making those shots weren't making them. Is there any part of you that just feels like, geez, this is the luck that's coming our way and we're kind of due for this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we definitely are due for some good karma. I think that when you when you think about the fact that we created more unguarded shots than any team in the league over the last, like, two years um, last year, yeah. um, we were just missing open shots. Teams could then, you know, go under stagger screens. And, you know, so actions that should work, could work, you know, didn't work as well because all it took was us, like, lining shots up and making a few of them, and then people would have had to guard us honestly, right. you know. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was – certainly a head scratcher at times and and I will say our team kept working I will say that you know I felt like that team always felt like the next game was the game that the lid came off and you know was kind of the catalyst game which I point to 2018 when we played Washington and had five starters score 20 points and you know and have five assists and you know it was just like that was the that was the aha game that, that this is what our offense can look like. Um, you know, and so I think that team last year kept waiting for that, you know, and when you, when you come in with a, a new year and, and new players and everybody, whether you want to say it's last chance you, I mean, we've got some players with a chip on their shoulder, you know, Benajah got cut by Indy. Mm -hmm. um, she's got a chip on her shoulder. I mean, and so, you know, when you bring that to the table and, you know, you have new players that are just really, quite frankly, trying to create their own identity. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get Kennedy Carter to understand who, who everybody is in this league. You know, I'm sure she can name every NBA player, but it just goes to show you that there's a maturation process to, you know, like really understanding our league and who everybody is. And so, you know, this team just has to play like with this different kind of edge, this, you know, we certainly – when you when you lined us up and you lined Dallas up in that first game, like you, we wouldn't you know we, we wouldn't win the game on paper. We wouldn't win the game 
by the eye test. But when you play hard and you play with great pace and you make shots, you know, the game can be pretty pretty beautiful to watch. Is it is it an advantage to, and <clears throat> I want to get to Kennedy specifically, but you certainly want the group all together at once. But when you're incorporating so many new players, is it an advantage to be able to now gradually do so over a period of a few weeks and be able to have certain continuity in place as players start to come back to you over these next few weeks? I think the advantage is it puts less pressure on these guys coming back. Um, you know, at the same time, when you think about what we're bringing back, we're bringing players that play with energy, mm -hmm. you know? So, so that's a beautiful part to me. You know, I love what we were able to do in our opener, but I also know, could we sustain that with the schedule that we've got, you know, over the next four weeks, you know, if we didn't have more bodies, you know, mm -hmm. and the ability to go to our bench and go to our bench consistently. And so, you know, when I think about what I think a Jalen Agnew can bring to the table, like I think some of these guys aren't quite ready and it allows them to, in some ways, um, have less pressure. You know, I think that we bring a Glory Johnson back and, you know, it's not like she's going to replace Mo in the lineup after, you know, Mo t did what she did. Sure. But it gives us someone like Mo. And it also gives us someone who has the ability to stretch to three. So it gives us another dimension, you know. And so I think it can keep Strick's legs fresher. I think it can keep Mo's legs fresh as the season goes along. And Elizabeth, who I played like crazy, obviously, in that first game. And so, you know, and Courtney just loves the play, right? So it's, it's, it's one of those things where – when you bring her back into the fold, you just feel like automatically, okay, we've got our seven guards and, you know, we have our, our three posts and Strickland can slide down and play some posts. And, and now you're, you're playing consistently eight, nine, and you're playing them good minutes, um, you know, and, and having a, a uh, Courtney Williams on the floor takes pressure off Blake. You know, if Blake's my backup point guard, you know, having Courtney to advance it to and get into early action takes pressure off her. It, um, it also so, changes. You know, I, I'm sorry. It, just, it also changes yeah, where ahead. you're able to get your points on the floor, it seems to me as well. Like you have a tremendous amount of shot makers from beyond the arc now. You have a lot of people around the rim. And then you add that third level, that mid-range that Courtney brings. And suddenly everyone has to respect what you're doing at the offensive end at each of the three primary levels. Yeah, and if you if you watched even in even in practice yesterday, you know, uh, my assistant Mike, who's you know very analytical and but really just loves the offensive side of the ball, you know, it was like we we couldn't, you know, and I'm obviously always going to look at things defensively, so mm -hmm. you know we're like we're watching just practice unfold and we're being really careful about load management, but the the work that we're doing is five on five half court, and we can't stop ourselves, you know. And Mike just looked at me at one point and said, this is such a beautiful thing right now. You know, like it's just amazing how when the ball has energy and the ball moves to the open player and you have – it's, you know, offense is predicated off spacing and gravity of movement. And so, you know, when you have players cutting hard and spacing well, you become really hard to guard. I don't care how good defensively you are. I mean, it's, it's advantage offense. And so, mm -hmm. you know, our players are figuring that out. You know, and I'm not sure we even had that figured out two years ago. We just, we had playmakers, you know, Tiffany was a playmaker. Angel was a playmaker. 
Um, you know, but when it's kind of this whole everybody's in sync and, you know, you, you have five straight possessions and five different people have scored, you just kind of go, okay, now what? <laughs> you know, even from the defensive side of the ball, you go, okay. And, and I think that's probably how L.A. felt at times, you know, with, with Chicago mm-hmm. last night. Like Chicago, you know, when they have mul- multiple offensive weapons on the floor and the ball's moving and, and Vandersloot's finding them, you know, they become really guard to heart hard to guard. And, and, and Kalia Copper, again, you know, another Rutgers product who was outperforming even when she did in college when you get to the pros. So that that is key as Diamond DeShields continues uh, to hopefully get back to 100%. But to your point, relative to 2018, the biggest difference as far as I can tell from how your offense starts is the fact that Kennedy Carter is someone who the defense has to respect at all times, that Kennedy Carter is somebody who can drain a three if necessary, but can get to the basket at will. And somebody who shot 25.3% as a senior in college from beyond the arc is still managing to get there. The comp I keep coming back to in my own mind, because there are very few that I've seen like Kennedy Carter at any level at any point, but it reminds me a lot of Allen Iverson and how Iverson was unstoppable when it came to trying to get into the lane at Georgetown. And then Iverson added that three-point shot and suddenly there was no stopping Iverson and, you know, the Sixers were in the finals shortly thereafter. And I'm wondering if you see it that way, number one, and number two, just how singular you think that is. There are great point guards in this league. You know, Courtney Vanderson is a great point guard in this league. Sue Bird is a great point guard in this league. I could go on and on, but Carter's just a different type of player, not just that she's uh, a singular talent. She's, um, you know, I, I've said it before, and it's, it's obviously very bold, and, and it's, it's not to um, put too much on her pressure, too much pressure on her shoulders. It's not um, to give people bulletin board material because I think everybody feels this way about her. Mm-hmm. She's truly unguardable. I mean, I, I, I it's, it's a, it's a, <laughs> It's, it's kind of the only way I can say it <laughs> and be honest. I mean, she, she's so, she changes speed. She has the ball skills and, and just her bounce and her explosiveness. It all is always going to come down to at this level for her and her growth is going to come up down to just because you can create a shot. Can you create someone else's shot? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think we saw her willingness to pass. I knew she could pass from watching every shot, pass, dribble, you know, over the last three years in college. I knew she was a capable passer. I think Elizabeth would be the first one to, like, you know, put her hands up in the air and say hallelujah because, you know, the way she gets in the lane and just drops the ball to Elizabeth, um, you know, I mean, it's and, – and, you know, I told Elizabeth that. I said, you know, people – she's going to have this reputation that she's going to come in and try to take 30 shots. I said, we're, we're going to get her to be a great passer. She is. She has a feel. You know, she's got she's to gotta find um, that combination of interior drop, exterior kickout, you know, as, as her growth comes forward. She sees it sometimes, other times. But, you know, it's, it's the can we eliminate the one-legged, one-on-three pull-ups mm-hmm. just because she can get it and just because she can make it. I feel like as a team we can get a better shot. And she's going to make some of them. You know, but it's it's she and Enrique 
um, are both players that can just go create a shot. You know, then you really can't stop them from creating a shot. I think where um, Kennedy is like Kennedy's just slightly more explosive. You know, north and south mm-hmm. than Enrique, um, and you know, I think Kennedy Kennedy's going to make some threes. You know, but she's going to be probably a little bit up and down. You know, and and I'm encouraging her right now that until somebody stops you from getting in the lane, don't settle. You know, I want her to take an open three on a kickout from a teammate, but right now, like she could probably take a, a a three behind the screen as many times as she wants to. Um, but I feel like that's settling because right. I feel like she can put more pressure on the defense. And then if she does that, then, you know, I- I'm going to be comfortable with her taking that shot because I know she can make it. But, yeah, she's, um, you know, where, where we have to get Kennedy to be consistent is off the ball on defense, you know, um, playing through mistakes, playing through, like, fatigue. You know, I mean, it's very easy when you're used to walking the ball up the court in college and running horns or walking the ball up in co- you know, the, the pace that we're playing at, I think she wants to play at, but she's learning to play at that pace and learning that you don't get to take breaks. And, you know, that, you know, I can't always get you out when you ask to come out. You know, you got to give me one or two more possessions till we get, till we get to a stoppage in play, right. you know, and the fact that, those possessions, even though you've asked to come out, it's not an excuse to not do your job, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's at the offensive end or defensive end. So, but she's a great kid. I think there, obviously there were no questions about her ability. There were questions, you know, in, on the outside stuff. And, you know, we just, she's got growth, but she wants to be great. She's likable. Um, and she loves to play, you know, and I, I love kids that love to play. I love players that just, love the game because that's me like I'm still a kid at heart I'm still someone who just absolutely loves basketball for what it is and that it's a game and you know and so you know that's I enjoy that I enjoy players that like want to play that want to compete Kennedy always competes too you know the, the first time I got a chance to see her was her senior year of high school and she was at the Jordan Classic and it's, you know, your classic exhibition game, and you had a whole bunch of terrific young players, players who were in the league now, Megan Walker, among others. And, and a lot of the players there were playing like it was an exhibition game, which is perfectly understandable. And Kennedy Carter was not. Kennedy Carter was up and down the floor, looking to be active at both ends, and was not willing to stop until the final, the final horn blew. And that really stuck with me when I thought about it. You, you know, you, you made a comparison to Arike. I think that's a really interesting one because when we think about what guards are going to be like in this league going forward, it gets a bigger and bigger league, and you have more and more lineups that are featuring people who are six foot plus. So what are the guards going to do to separate? Well, it's got to be that extra burst of athleticism, that extra bit of creating, you know, in order to do it. Well, she did that in college. When you go back and you look at her numbers at A&M, even though she took a lot of shots, her assist percentages were always top 50, top 25 in the league in a way that Arike's were not. Now, that's not a knock on Arike, which is to say she was in that Notre Dame offense where there was no quote-unquote primary ball handler and everyone's passing. You got Muffet's Princeton offense, and so all the assist percentages are in double digits. But the point being that we didn't then know 
what could Arike do at the next level in terms of sharing the ball, we have some real statistical evidence that Kennedy's able to do so. And then you add in the fact that she doesn't need to take 30 shots because of the weapons you've assembled around her. And it just seems like it does come down to a question of willingness. Obviously, it's real early returns, but just the fact that she is so eager to find her teammates has to be encouraging for you as a coach. Well, the thing about Kennedy is she wants to win, and there's there's that always helps. And I think that while I don't think there's any doubt that there are going to be times when Kennedy is out to prove something, I'm better than you, you know, <laughs> I'm going to have to continually teach her that it's we need to be better than them, you know, because that's that mental mindset that some of these great players get in where, you know, this podcast is going to be on Friday and we're going to be playing New York and Ionescu is, you know, the been coronated, (laughs) you know, from the beginning. (laughs) And, and so, you know, and I don't think Ionescu is going to be guarding (laughs) Kennedy, you know, but I think in her mind, there'll probably be that, you know, that little bit of, um, I'm out to prove that, that I'm a better player, you know, that Mm -hmm. yes, she got all the hype and she got the Nike contract and she got this and she got that, you know, but it's, it's, it's always, got to circle back to this is Atlanta versus New York and we need to be the better team and at the end of the day that's what's most important at at the risk of sounding oh go ahead please go ahead yeah I was just gonna say at the risk of sounding either psychic or profoundly stupid as people hear it after the fact with Kia Nurse uh dealing with a sore ankle I'm not sure that anyone's going to be able to guard Kennedy Carter from New York. So to your point about her being unguardable, I think that will be only uh, emphasized more significantly this time around. Well, you can you can trap her. You yeah. know, you can try to trap her. But you saw when Dallas tried to t- trap her, how she was able to immediately split it. And then all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're four on three. Mm-hmm. I mean, right then and there, as soon as she splits that trap, you're four on three. Now, I will say I complimented UNESCO when I saw her because I thought she handled Seattle's traps extremely well. She just handles them in a different way. You know, she picked up her dribble and was able with her size and feel to find the open player on the backside and to really not turn it over in those situations. So it's different kind of pressure. Both gets it out of the trap. Both put you in a numbers advantage. Um, and so, you know, how they get stuff done could be different Mm -hmm. they're both spectacular players they're both going to have incredible careers um you know but i mean for us we i don't i I don't really i don't think kennedy cares who guards her (laughs) you know if (laughs) if we put her in position to create space and opportunity um you know it's going to be it's always going to come down to like what is her decision making and how hard is she cutting to get open and then you know once she's in that situation Kennedy is a willing passer, you know, and I think she very much um, is offended by the idea that she's a selfish player, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't, that's just not who she is. It's, it actually bothers her, I think, you know, and so, um, but there's a time when you can do what she does. There's a time to go get yourself a three-point play, you right. know, which she did three times, you know, in the opener. Um, that's what, that's what, differentiates her from a lot of young point guards is the strength that she has to play through contact Mm -hmm. you know it's not that she's this obvious physical specimen where you'd look at her and see strength 
it's just there. You know, she has upper body strength. She has the ability to get her shoulders square and take contact and finish through contact. That's the separator, right? That's what would have made, you know, there's a lot of conversation about how the draft differs, the WNBA compared to the NBA. And NBA players can go one and done. And a lot of uh, players on the WNBA side clearly benefit from being able to play the four years in school or, you know, in some cases three. But Kennedy Carter was able to finish through contact from day one in college. I feel like she could have been, if the rules were different, a one and done uh, and come into the league. Do you agree with that? And it's just natural strength, yeah. I mean, she mm-hmm. had the ball skills. I'm sure, I'm sure she got growth. I will say this, you know, Bob Starkey is a great defensive line, so I think, you know, she probably learned a lot of things from him. Gary Blair is a, is a tactician. He's a, um, you know, loves to draw up plays. And so, you know, a player has to learn to execute in the half court with him. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, I got to, you know, I'm trying to get her to play faster and, and to consistently play fast because she didn't play that way. But there's also value in the fact that she's had to run plays out of ATO. She's had to, um, you know, run horns when everybody on the, in the world knew they were running horns and, you know, handle, handle the pressure and handle the double teams and handle what anyone was going to throw at her because everybody was going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at her, you know, versus at this level where you're just rarely going to get that. There's too many good players on the floor uh, regardless to, you know, decide, Hey, it's all about stopping Kennedy Carter. Um, because if you do that, we might go three by three by three instead of two by two by two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you end up with a whole lot of Shakina Strickland open threes and that is no recipe right. to stop anybody. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> right. So from, from your perspective now in, in the wobble so far, I'm just curious if you to take us through like, well, what's a day like? for you you know a, a game day an off day what what are what are your days like and and when are you getting in uh, I, I just have to plug this viral video uh of uh the jump up the 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 two-footed jump the box jump yes the box jump thank you and and just the fact yeah. that you know i like i my back was sore watching you do it so you know, just take <laughs> me through what, what what your day is like and when you know when that's part of it yeah, I mean, I think since games started, things have started to change simply because our schedule bounces around now in terms of what time we practice and and and, and then even game days. Like, are are you playing a six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock game? I mean, our games are all over the board. But um, I will say that you know it's um, it, it's it's a comfortable space and place for me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a routine person, so. If I, I know where my three meals are going to come from every day at training table, I know um, that we're going to have a practice slot. And so I'm going to, so whether my practice plan comes um, in the evening because we have an earlier practice time or whether I have a time in the morning to kind of clean it up, um, I tend to be someone that likes to go to bed with the practice plan done. Uh, but yeah, I mean, our, our staff time, we have the ability to use the weight room here either in the morning. Uh, which is what I did today, or during our team time. So every team has an hour each day. So the uh, the viral box jump, obviously, you know, with so many stoppages in play that first game and our players trying to stay loose and, you know, keep moving, I had done a tuck jump on the sideline joking around with them. And so when, when Ari had commented about that, 
I just thought I'd throw a box jump in there, um, <laughs> you know, the next day when I really was working out. And, and I do do box jumps as a part of my routine some. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's um, an off day. You, we're not really going to have many of those. I mean, it's just we're not going to have a traditional off day with games every other day. But even on Monday where we had a two-day prep, all we did was watch film. And so, you know, you, I had a little bit of time to sit by the pool, um, you know, a little bit of time, extra time to do both like a weight workout as well as some extra cardio. Went for a walk that morning on campus. You know, I have my bike. Um, so, you know, we can either golf cart around campus or I have a bike. So, you know, it's 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 fine to me. I mean, I'm just, I, I know for a, um, young single female, this might not be the greatest place on the planet. Um, <laughs> but for someone in, in my position, you know, the, the idea that we don't have to travel, um, you know, that I don't have to think about what I'm going to make or what I'm going to, um, eat that day right. you know, is good for me. Cause during the season I drink, I usually drink a lot of coffee and don't eat a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I went into quarantine, and decided to give up coffee for like the whole quarantine at home, you know, I've, I've limited my coffee here. So I've been pretty good under the circumstances. You gave up coffee? I, I just, I, we gotta talk about that. Yeah. What, what happened? Well, so it was kind of one of those things. So we came out of, um, admittedly free agency was like crazy with mm-hmm. the new CBA and the moves that we were trying to make and everything we were trying to do. I mean, I, I could tell you, and if, if if you interviewed some of the agents, they, they would agree with this, that, you know, I maybe was on the phone with Mike Pound at 1130 at night, you know, trying to get the glory deal done. Or I can we confirm were, this, yes. You know, and, and it would be, you know, it was early morning to late at night, and it was just constant player, agent, um, update, you know, Chris, that I'd had this conversation, you know. And, and so, you know, I, I felt like I didn't really get out of my PJs for weeks at a time while we were doing that. And then we came out of that and all of a sudden it was conference tournament time. So then I went to the SEC tournament and had a pass for like the uh, suite where we could eat. And so I ate a bunch of bad food, you know, for four days. (laughs) And then we got home and I was prepared to go to the Ivy League um, tournament. It gets canceled and the world goes crazy and everything changes. And and now I'm home and I'm a homeschool mom and – you know, the pantry uh, was going to be my nemesis. And so I just decided I had a former player that played for, for us at Arkansas, had just become an Arbon distributor. And I just, like, before I even knew what it was, I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing the 30-day challenge. And you give up coffee and you give up gluten and you give up, you know, all processed foods. And, and so I did that in 30 days, turned into 60, which turned into 90. Um, and so I'm still doing it at, at a little bit here, um, but just trying to eat healthy. And sure. I have a cup of coffee here and there, but I'm not drinking five or six cups of coffee, which was what was pretty normal for me. So, so yeah, it was kind of this, like, how am I going to go come out of quarantine better than I went in? And, and that's kind of where it stemmed from. I Listen, limiting coffee, I can understand. Giving up coffee entirely... I, 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 you would find me passed out on the floor without question. That's, I, I, I think needing coffee to live is, is a key part of it. But no, it's a very smart approach to be sure. And I guess I wonder about that as well, because, you know, we've had these conversations where you were, you were, you were a, um, a homeschool teacher at the same time that all of this was going on and everything was crazy. 
And so now suddenly you're pulled out of that routine, a person of routine. So how do you incorporate home into what you're doing? You know, is it uh, a question of uh, Zooms that you have? Uh, you know, how do you, how do you stay connected in that way? Yeah, we're, we're pretty much a FaceTime group. So, and, and uh, a lot of times, you know, I'll get one of them and then I'll make them take their phone to the other ones, you know, because, Smart. you know, they're, they're so busy not being busy at times, you know, but uh, with, with their typical evening routines of lots of lacrosse and cheer and everything else, sometimes it's late, you know, but I, I try to get them after dinner time, um, early evening and, um, you know, to keep up, you know, I've got, a, especially with my youngest, I've got an incredible group of, of families, moms that, uh, really take Logan in and will send me videos of her playing lacrosse and um, and she's obviously at her age she's going to be 13 so you know our conversation yes the last couple of days was you know I got the text saying hey you know my birthday's in 11 days and, I, and, and it was like <laughs> okay and and before you knew it I had my kids are very good everyone on my staff laughs at the fact that they love to send me um links the things that they want like they don't just say hey mom I, I, I'd love a new pair of shoes they mm -hmm. like literally send the actual link where you can just go and and other than putting a size in you know so then it became okay I know you want an iPhone 11 and this and that yeah no to the <laughs> iPhone 11 but let's start talking about this other stuff so you know it's um it, and it's this way honestly during a normal WNBA season because with how fast and furious it is I've always had an apartment in the city or when I was in Connecticut, they weren't with me or you go on a 10 day road trip. And sure. so this is longer and it's different, but it's also, there's a consistency to it where you're not traveling. And, and I do feel at least like I know what's going on in their life on a daily basis. And I know what's next. And, you know, the cool part is they're, they, they're all watching the games. And, you know, even Reese said the minute cheer practice got over, she checked, she checked the app to see what the score was and then you know they 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 just kind of stayed with it until they drove home from cheer practice uh, the other night so they're engaged you know Reese's biggest problem was like mom because she's not a basketball person but she tries to figure out who everyone is on our team she said I have to learn like everybody's name I don't know who anyone is on your team you know so it's kind of one of those, like, or when are you getting Courtney back? You know, right. I mean, I get, a, I, I've gotten a lot of that for the last month. So when is Courtney? Because they knew Courtney even from when when they came and visited when I was coaching in Connecticut. So sure, uh, yeah. And 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 Courtney, Courtney's memorable, even even if you meet her once. Courtney's so memorable. Yes. I will I will tell you there. They they still though ask when JJ is going to play for me again because right. JJ was the one that when they came to visit played video games with them and played games on the bus with them and so they just have this like vision of JJ that she's just one of them you know so they always okay now when is JJ going to come to Atlanta and I well, said well I don't think Kurt's going to give her up anytime soon so I'm I'm sure you wouldn't turn it down if the time came though that's for no, sure no no true <laughs> but the other true. side of that which is so interesting to me is that this is always a small, close-knit community anyway, the women's basketball world, the WNBA world specifically. And there's a lot of conversation with the players about how the players are seeing one another. But 
I also know that coaches are getting an opportunity. You know, you, you'll be in the same room now uh, with Mike, uh, with Mike Tebow, in a way that you wouldn't necessarily have been on a regular basis. And I'm wondering how much more you're seeing other coaches and how much this may, for even the long term, when all this is, I sure hope, behind us, that this becomes an even closer-knit community because of what you guys are all experiencing collectively right now. Yeah, I think um, that's it's actually a cool part in general. It's coaches being around coaches. It's about, you know, even the other day, like when the when the officials got out of quarantine and I went outside and there was a group of them sitting there and Kurt stuck his head out and is like, all right, stop buttering up the officials. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, we're all kind of in this unique environment together. And, you know, there's a way to say, hey, um, you know, this is, this is not necessarily how we would have wanted this season to go. Sure. But I, I'm incredibly grateful that we're having one, that we're having one in a safe way. Um, and and I, just, I just find, you know, seeing Steve Smith here, who I worked with in mm-hmm. Connecticut, who's now, you know, with, with Indiana, and, and seeing people that I consider mentors, friends, um, peers, you know, it, it, it's great. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it was – you know, even having people say, hey, I know you were worried about scoring. I guess uh, you, you didn't have much trouble that first game. And I said, okay, it's one game, you know, but we're all we're all a little bit sandbaggers at times, you know, as coaches. And <laughs> so, you know, it's it's the ability to kind of call each other out in a, in a fun way. You know, I've gotten to know Lambeer in a totally different light here, you know, because um, he, you know, holds court every night. Uh, in the lobby area so of course he does uh, yeah I mean it's a unique experience but it's also fun it's like being away it's like adult summer camp <laughs> well an adult summer camp that's endlessly entertaining to all of us to see as well and uh, a privilege to cover uh, as as I'm getting the chance to do as well so Nikki Collin thank you as always greatly appreciate your time and insights and I know my listeners do as well all right thanks Howard <laughs>